0: I'm good. Hey, uh, my dehumidifier is running. Uh, just a heads up if it's if you hear a lot of noise, I can turn it off. Just let me know.
1: Uh, I'm hearing some animals, maybe in the background, some like a squeaking noise. Like, well, that's peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah, I have I have the door open.
1: That's fine. That's so fine. we got
0: a nice tranquil, neutral background.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about from from your perspective how you started getting creative, how you started getting, you know, into drumming, into all that sort? Are you still there?
0: Yeah. How I started getting creative, like, uh, well, with drums, Mm -hmm. I started off just kind of playing to the radio. And I began to become part of my first original bands. I actually tried to get some original bands going when I was still in high school, but uh, no one was really interested. They just wanted to play what was popular, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is understandable, but... Uh,
1: what age did you I start Then I started playing? getting into
0: original music. I had just turned 13 when I got, got my first kit.
1: So at 13 you started drumming, but did you do anything else before that musically?
0: No, not really. Drumming was always a kind of almost elusive but intrinsic desire. Like I, I always was beating on things with my hands and mimicking drum set motions, and, and I was very enthralled with with rhythm and drums. And you know, it took a few years, but my you know, begging, but my parents got me my first kit, and I had just turned 13. And so uh, prior to that, no, there wasn't really any uh, musical exploration, just, just interest. So then I got, I got the kit. I got uh, interested in the original music. Well, it would always been an interest of mine, I think, but I finally was able to partake in collaboration. And uh, shortly after I graduated high school, and even back then i was sort of of nitpicking arrangements and i don't know just trying to do different things different accents dynamics and things that would affect the song and not just the drum part and that was that was an interest of mine and and uh Uh, Something that I uh, perpetuated in all my various incarnations of bands. And then I started getting into into, uh, solo pursuits, like my own compositions in, uh, I guess, the mid-2000s.
1: But you played in a a bunch of bands uh, as well. I, I think
0: that brings us up to speed. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's a, you know, I, I, what I've learned is that you played in a bunch of bands as well, uh, original bands and, and studio work and, uh, you know, different kinds of uh, fields that, that are ventures that have come up and could, maybe you could talk about how that came up about.
0: The session work was, really wasn't something that I pursued professionally. It, it, it kind of, I don't know, just kind of happened. Uh, and a big part of it is uh, a friend of mine named Taylor Larson. He started uh, getting uh, getting interested in uh, recording, making his own recordings, and he was just doing it out of his house, and he would get drummers in that, you know, couldn't play very well to a click, or uh, he would get little studio projects where uh, the musicians involved didn't have a drummer. So I would come in and I get to call and come in and do the tracks. And so he uh, convinced me to start investing in my own gear. And so I uh, started building my own studio in uh, also around the mid-2000s. And I continued working with him, uh, even though he moved locations a few hours from here. And I did my first uh, professional Session gig out of my home studio in 2010. So it, uh, the 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 genesis was a you know a friend of mine.
1: <laughs> yeah, but well that's that's always a good place to start when somebody tells you you
0: should be doing this. It's weird. Uh, for me, I, I don't know. I stumble across a lot of uh, online profiles where people <laughs> they proudly have the session drummer uh title emblazoned in in what they do and and uh for me it was just never it was never like that i never approached it that way it was just just something that sort of happened to me and i was happy to to do it and you know it's it's a real honor for me to collaborate with people on their own music i know it's a, obviously a very personal thing so it's uh it's a pleasure for me to do that as well professionally
1: Go- going back to some of those uh, sessions and uh, work that you have done for other people just, does the drumming, all the drumming come from your side or do they have specific ideas or is it just uh, Travis we want your style just be as creative as you can and you try to find that method into that Or how does that work?
0: It's mostly the latter uh, for which I'm very fortunate um, I've never done a session wherein I was just handed a a new chart and just told to play it. So a certain degree is always welcome. And I've experienced everything from, you know, a totally blank canvas to, uh, I mean, I've even like, there's some funny, some funny things, some funny stories. uh, Like this one guy sent me a very rough audio recording of him just kind of noodling around with ideas on a kit in a garage, you know, to convey his song ideas. And so I've uh, come across a lot of different uh, <laughs> methods of collaboration. <clears throat> but um, usually, I'd say like, I don't know, 60%, 70% of the time, it's, uh, it's program drums, some sort of software, you know, like E-Drummer or Superior Drummer. And then I just kind of take those ideas and kind of regard them as like they want this general feel for this section and that section and a fill in here and and et cetera. But uh, as I said, uh, my collaborations, my ideas are always welcome. So you
1: just uh, listen to what kind of feel and music they have and you try to to be a part of that song or that band for just that moment so you get the feel and the creativity and you can add on whatever um, you feel that is lacking or that you can contribute to the, to that song. Correct. Well, let's talk about the, 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 um, the practice part of uh, your instrument because, you know, a lot of drummers... Have their different styles to to practicing, uh, and bands that I have played with and drummers I have played with some of them hardly practice by themselves at all. so let's talk more about that and how how you approach it, how you look at practicing and what you think other drummers or musicians should be doing with their you know building their own kind of uh, quality into playing
0: Um, i'm sorry you you broke up a little bit intermittently there um basically you want me to talk about like my practice routine
1: yeah how, how you approach practicing and what you think is important because i i find that a lot of musicians today don't practice their craft they might play in bands they might record they do you know sessions and so on but they don't practice a lot so is there a is there something in that that you you want to emphasize and talk a bit about, uh, and especially how you approach your practicing?
0: Well, my practice routines through the years have been. I've had a lot of various routines, and I uh, I practiced like a madman, you know, up until like my late twenties, and I still practice all the time but it's it, it's a different I don't know uh, it's different form of practice I guess you could say uh, like nowadays I, I rehearse uh, things that I have planned to track and uh, I tend to rehearse at half of the performance tempo maybe a little faster and, and I work my way up uh, methodically incrementally until I can play it well at performance tempo and then you know then i can track the song but uh even like some of the little fun little projects i do such as like the covers i've done like the miles davis one i just did or the strapping young lad some of those induce little challenges in themselves and i have to uh in addition to the rehearsing i have to adhere to other little routines to try to try to get my uh my limbs up to par like for the miles thing i was doing a lot of left hand drills a lot of uh, coordination work in that jazzy context with the strapping young lad cover i did i was doing a lot of drilling of the feet <laughs> uh, after you know post rehearsal and so uh i i like you know things that capture that capture my interest nat- naturally I like to go after those and, uh, whatever side challenges, if you will, that present themselves, then I can tackle those accordingly. But, uh, you know, coming up as a young player, I, uh, worked a lot out of books. Uh, I practiced to a click eventually (laughs) took me a few years, but, um, practiced. I still do like, I'll, even to this day I'll flick on the click and uh just improvise to it. And I uh my stylistically speaking, uh I would work out of books that kind of uh touched on specific styles but mostly I think it was just my recreational listening habits just tend to be uh not particularly focused on any genre. It's just, uh, it's, it's very kind of sporadic. And, you know, I, I listen to everything. So that mirrored itself in my playing. So, uh, hmm, I think that wraps up the <laughs> question.
1: But when you look at, <laughs> The Miles Davis video, for instance, uh, you talked a lot about jazz, and uh, and jazz playing is a certain kind of style that is it's not anything that's uh, equal to the metal drumming and those those parts where you play hard and, and loud and fast. It's it's more of a technical side where you have to utilize uh, your body's motion and, and find the... The balance so that you don't burn out so fast because the songs are are long maybe and and uh, um, the tempos might vary a bit but there's always that that drive as a jazz musician that's that's there is is there a special way of finding the balance from jazz to the metal like songs that you do or is it just just uh, hammering down and just practicing and playing that song over and over or do you approach it differently
0: well the the approach is is obviously different but uh i worked on both of those things in particular i just worked on those projects you know not not concurrently but i like i just worked on the strapping and lad thing and then i just focus on the miles thing so when you do that it's a little easier to to get in that headspace and uh, calibrate your lens accordingly. But I don't know. I, I think it... I mean, I, I played out of a lot of jazz books when I was in my formative years, and I was learning how to read and all that, and obviously listened to a, a fair bit of it. And I think it just... it. I don't know, if, if you... If you have a natural interest in that thing, I think the the will to play it just kind of naturally manifests itself.
1: There's a special style to your playing as well when I look at the videos. It doesn't seem like there's any uh, any hardship between your left and right brain because you can play equally good on the left side of the kid as you do on the right side. and And you don't cross your hands a lot. You just keep everything very ergonomic on your drum kit. And also in your playing. How would you come about that?
0: Thanks. Um, Well, uh, I started playing the setup that I guess I'm sort of known for in the mid-2000s. So I think I've been playing it longer now than... Than I did when I played a, a conventional kit or the various setups that I am "quote unquote" signature <laughs> setup. So, um, I don't know. I, just that setting your kit up that way, just sort of. I mean, you can still cross limbs if you want to, but uh, it, it's really, it's it's not necessary. And if you set up your kit in that fashion, it uh, it kind of forces you to, you know, not play cross-handed, to play open-handed, open stance, however you want to regard it.
1: But it looks so effortless when you're playing, because you don't hit very hard, you don't think about where you're putting your sticks, it just seems very flowy, because the cymbals are at place, the the toms are at place, and, and the focus is more in the in the reading of the sheets that you do, which is also something that I find very fascinating about your playing is that you, you're looking at sheet music or a computer screen while you're doing all your drumming. I, I assume that you're practicing them, of course, but it's still uh, a matter of focusing your attention at something else and letting your body just flow with uh, whatever groove you're into. So that was that hard to get to that place or or how do you how did you start
0: i don't think it was too uh large of a challenge because as i said i i practice a lot out of books when i was when I was learning how to play learning how to read and uh i've like i think I've always had a music stand <laughs> set up at my kit and i've had something on the stand to practice or or whatever, and yeah, as, as you assumed, uh, most of the stuff that I, I uh, track that's in my videos was, uh, has been practiced, has been rehearsed, but uh, I don't know, it, I guess it's sort of a, and, uh, I mean, I do use the, the, the sheet music because there's still a lot of little details and such that, uh, that are easy to forget. And, uh, if I had the time to practice everything that I do to the point where I would need the chart, the chart, then, (laughs) then I I would do it. But there's only, (laughs) there's only 24 hours in the day, unfortunately, (laughs) but, uh, but, um, yeah, so the charts helped me to recall those minute details and, and when I'm not glancing at the chart, usually it's because I'm pulling off some extremely difficult mover and I have to make sure I'm hitting what or you. <laughs> or
1: yeah, I got a bad connection now. It's
0: so. starting to rain. i uh, play a bit here. It
1: seems to be okay now. We're talking about practicing and the way the method you do. And what I'm trying to find out is... Um, and uh, going from that traditional crossing your, crossing your arms to playing on both sides and having the kit set up as you do, like having two hi-hats. But you still only use one snare, but you use a double pedal and you have crashes at both sides. And you, you very ergonomically set up your kit is that something that you thought of or is it something that you got helped by somebody else to to get to that point
0: yeah I heard, I heard that question actually before the connection went to hell alright well um, yeah this this kit was my idea it, it wasn't an overnight thing though it was an, it was an evolution and it, was, it came about through very pragmatic reasons um, I was playing a lot of well, I was playing a lot of local regional gigs, and I was playing a lot of uh, DIY style shows. You know, there's a lot of bands on the bill and very curt um, changeovers. So uh, uh, I always felt like give
1: me a sec. I- I'll I'll uh, call you back again because it seems to be cutting up all the time. I'll call you in two seconds. Hey, there we go. <laughs> That's just silly. Okay, third try. Talk about the kit.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, this, my kit was my own idea, but it was not an overnight thing. It was uh, a series of like mini evolutions. And they mostly came about through pretty pragmatic reasons. Uh, Way back in like 2003-ish, I uh, was playing a lot of local regional gigs, very DIY style shows, uh, too many bands on the bill, very curt changeovers, and so I had to uh, come up with a small kit that was very easy to get on the stage and uh, you know easy to get in the comfortable position because I I was playing a conventional kit, but it was just kind of a nightmare to get everything in place, and I always felt like my playing suffered because of that. So on a whim, on one gig, I, I played it with a three-piece kit, kick-snare floor tom, and I really liked it, but I wanted to add something to the left to promote more left-hand movement, and uh, that's basically how the drums came to be. Now, the symmetrical-ish Symmetrical-esque symbol uh, setup came about really through uh, an interest in Mike Mangini's playing, and he utilizes the symbols in a very musical fashion. His, uh, uh, at least with his smaller setups, he now he's using like this monster kit with Dream Theater, but um, he used to have I think all his low-pitched symbols or, or lower-pitched symbols were on the left, and the higher ones were on the right. At least that's the case with me. And he would use his uh, crashes and hi-hats to uh, punctuate progressions. If a progression, like if a chorus, if the melodies rise and the chorus, will play like the higher crash or the higher pitched hi-hats. And so that's an interest in his playing is, is how my setup came to be.
1: Did you talk to him about how he set up the cymbals or was that something that you figured out?
0: Uh, just something I, I figured out, like, you know, he has a, a pretty uh, unique setup of his own, and uh, I sort of, I don't know, I sort of mirrored it, but, you know, just it's conformed to my body and, and my playing interests as well. Hmm.
1: I found that interesting that you have a, a special setup for your symbols if they're darker or they're louder or they're brighter or whatever your phasing is because <clears throat> i don't think that a lot of drummers think about how they should put up their cymbals and the i what i see and what i hear when i talk to people is that they just have cymbals that they enjoy and then just smash them when <laughs> whenever they <laughs> they need that there's seems to be a cymbal place to have it on my right. kid, I, on my kid i have four five different symbols, and those are the symbols that I could afford to buy at that certain time, and they've just been, you know, hanging on, some are broke, but they still sound great, but mm-hmm. I, ju- yeah. I just set them up for, I have three on my right, and I have, uh, I just have one on my left side, which is a kind of a double one, because that, that's just where my hands are.
0: Right, that, yeah, That's that's how most I think that's how most conventional kits look. There's a lot more symbols on the right and then just some accent ones on the left. Correct. <laughs> because
1: that, that, that's because you. I don't think that you're in tune to thinking that, okay, maybe I can rethink my drumming and be more smart about it. It's like when when you talk to Jojo Mayer, for instance, the way he has set it up, it's also ergonomical, just like you have, but he has two... To it has one small and one big floor tom on his right, but he rarely plays them. It's just you know accenting some some part in the song. The Most of what he's doing is keeping his eye on the snares and the, and the different symbols that he's trying to to get tones from, like right. making the song. And we, which also brings me to the other question that. I I don't see you as the drummer uh, foremost. I I see you as the musician, but you're using your drums as an instrument or as the voice for the songs that you're uh, you're engaging. Is that something that you think of?
0: Hmm. Well, thank you. That I I view that as a kind compliment. <laughs> um, it is. It is. Um, yeah. I, the, the drums. Even back, uh, harkening back to what I said before, when I was when I got into my first sort of uh, local bands and I started uh, playing original music, like even back then, I kind of viewed the drums as part of the composition, you know. Even though back then I was, you know, a teenager and I wanted to show off and all, I I, I would come up with kind of trademark things for the song, and I viewed those as like. Okay, this is like this song's stamp, mm-hmm. and uh, and I guess that just kind of has been refined and continues to this day. Like uh, uh, I, I don't know, it, it uh, the drums to me have always they've held as much uh, prestige as the other instruments, and they can be every bit as expressive and. I don't think it should be relegated to just, I don't know, holding the beat. <laughs> even though it's, it's the primary function, Like it can still do a lot even within those parameters that, uh, that gives it its stamp. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think that if you were just playing the beat to the songs uh, in, on silly strings, for instance, that you released, <laughs> I, I don't think that would make it into a song per se, because the the the, the playing that you do there, the fun that you have with the kit and the song, is 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 more of a leader of the band. It's like a singer and, and a guitar player, sometimes a solo guitar player. But you're you're making you're making a song uh, out of all of those uh, parts that
0: you do on, on on that album, which I think right. is great. Thanks. It, it's it's a tough line to uh, when when engaging in that sort of you know drum madness. It, it's a, it can be a fine line to uh, mm-hmm. to straddle like between something that I think is uh, interesting musically and then what someone else might view as like masturbatory. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, but what is interesting musically for it, you? It,
0: it is fun. I mean, you, you nailed it. It's, it's fun to me, and so that's why I did it.
1: Yeah, that, That's the thing that, you, you know, famously said by Sapa, that does humor belong in music? And yes, it does. Otherwise, Absolutely. you know, why would you be a starving musician or a rich musician if you were miserable at your job every day?
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Let's, you know, before we go into the all those recordings that you have done on your brilliant uh, band campsite, which is where I find uh, found you the first time, is like browsing through different experimental music and, and drummers and so on. Because I, I try to be a drummer. I, I've been a bass player all my life and a guitar player, but... Drumming was something that I loved and I wanted to pursue, so I started that for a couple of years ago, and I, I went to music school when I was younger and so on, but, but finding, finding that drumming is an instrument that can provide more, more music and more song, creative songwriting, is the, is the part that I want to explore more in, in the drumming that I do what is your focus right now 2018 in, in, in the drumming and the music and the playing that you do?
0: It's a uh, it's a little abstract. You're, um, d- do you just want to know what I'm up to presently? I, I want to know
1: more what's your strive and what's your because you're you're super talented and you're making great songs but what are your okay I need to start working on this thing to improve my playing, or to get more clients, or to get more views or listening, and what's your work in progress, so to speak, for
0: for the year? Um, right now, I'm working on two EPs, uh, kind of simultaneously. I, I tracked the drums for one a few months back, but I'm just now starting to get tracks from everyone, you know, for all the other instruments, and this EP in particular is going to be my first with uh, actual vocals. Okay. Like I've done sort of vocally sound design things, but uh yeah, this will be the first one with, you know, real deal vocals and harmonies and all of that. So, uh I'm kind of waiting because I'm like I said I'm working on another EP at the same time and uh when I get into that headspace, I want it to just be like I want to have a very dedicated vocal routine and I want to you know get into the headspace of pre-production and and all of that so I'm sort of waiting until I get all the tracks because I don't want to cut any pre-pro to MIDI you know I want to do it I want to hear like what is kind of going to be uh, the final product so um, yeah that EP is going to be called fall and response And then the other one I'm working on, I just finished composing, like, uh, less than a month ago. And uh, I'm I'm recruiting players for that now. And I have cut two drum tracks. And uh, this one's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm delving a bit more into production. And I'm trying to mix it on my own. And, uh, I don't know if all, if all goes off without a hitch, then I might be able to get this one out uh, before the end of the year. But, uh, yeah, this one's going to be called Delectable Machinery. <laughs> good tiles, good ideas. So yeah, I, I, production is becoming more production in the realm of like sound design and mixing, um, and I don't know, general weirdness <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that that is uh, it's been m- becoming more and more uh, of an em- uh, something that I'm emphatic about, and, and it, it's going to be in abundance. in this uh, this well, really, these next two ones, these next two EPs, I'm going to go crazy and do as much as I can. <clears throat>
1: Could you do more than you did on Silly Strings?
0: um <laughs> well I, I, maybe I don't know we'll see <laughs> but that, that that's the idea to, to
1: keep it more in the line of silly strings and, and to see what else can I muster up and how f- more much fun can I have doing these things
0: yeah man I just you know I load up this, the pro tool session and drink a bunch of coffee and just see what happens <laughs> <laughs>
1: How do you find the other players then that you play with? Is is that something that you do by going online, or is it friends, or is it getting, uh, you know, whatever forum you find, or is how do you do that process? Because you're you're a musician, you're a composer and and a drummer, and you do you play more instruments, or do you find those other players?
0: Uh, most of them are friends, acquaintances, associates. You know, people I've run into doing just being in this business. Um, like the guy that I utilize for almost all of my bass tracks, Cameron. I met him when I did the session drums for the Intervals, the Shape of Color album. And uh, yeah, I'd never even heard of him or heard his playing, and I went up to Toronto and cut the drum tracks, and I was hearing like when I would cut the drums and he had his bass tracks because I, when I uh, wrote the drum parts for it, I, I didn't have his bass tracks and I heard his bass tracks for the first time in the studio. And I was like, Holy shit, this guy is phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, the first time I hired him was for uh, my EP projects too. And I've almost used him for every bass track ever since I've, I've used, uh, uh, some upright on a couple of songs and, uh, I'm working with uh, with another guy now, but I'm I'm always going to be uh, working with Cam. Uh, I have no doubt about that. He's he's awesome. Yeah, he's and great. And then yeah, and Adam Edge. He uh, I've known him since I think 2010, and I've played I did session work for him, uh, played on his band Died in Gray Uh, a Brooklyn-based progressive metal band. I played on all their recordings, and I played on a lot of Adam's uh, solo material as well. And then uh, my string uh, section, Sophia Udin, I've known her since, I think, 2010, 2011. Um, She plays with uh, Gabriel Riccio in a band called The Gabriel Construct, And I did session work for him uh, years ago as well. So yeah, like I said, uh, a lot of these uh, relationships came about through simply being in the business.
1: And that's the the same for these projects that you're planning on now, that you're going to try to get those friends and associates to be on those records as well?
0: This, uh, I've recruited one person for uh, it's a female vocalist and then I'm trying to find a uh guy who's really good at congos and bongos um for uh, a couple little I don't know little little bit of pizzazz here and there on the machinery EP but um that's uh, other that's uh, other than silly string uh not silly string too but the EP silly string um, where I, I rec- recruited a few people online for that as well. But other than the, uh, those two instances, it's all been friends, you know, associates.
1: Is it is it uh, possible that you're going to try to look for new music- musicians and so on? Because, you know, in, in those forums that I am and where I try to be, a lot of people are looking to, to play with other people. They're looking to collab and so on. Is that something that you would be interested in if somebody would you know acquire your uh expertise
0: um i'm i'm always you know uh interested in in collaborations if if someone's playing interests me then you know the, the possibility of collaboration is, is always intriguing to some degree it just depends on uh of the context, you know, if it's going to be like, if they want to hire me or if we're going to do like a side project or whatever. like, yeah, I'm always uh, looking for people that make my ears turn on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but as far as my solo stuff, usually I have a certain uh, approach in mind and uh, I have someone that's perfect for that approach. So uh, I don't usually need to venture out. But uh, you know, never say never. I'm I'm always open. Yeah.
1: That's good, because you used to do some teaching as well, as I recall. And I saw on your web page that you have a kind of a lesson part. Are you still doing lessons? Is that something that would be, you know, interesting to do again, or or do you want new students?
0: Uh, well, I uh, I do Skype lessons. I don't do too many, but uh, I'm you know, grateful for whoever wants to take lessons from me. Usually, my teaching is, uh, is the sale of pre-made lesson videos. and uh, I haven't made one of those in, in a few years, and I think I'm going to make one before the end of the year. I'm going to try. I uh, would like to make one on subdivisions and odd groupings.
1: I think that's a good idea because those are the two things that people need to practice on.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, it's the pre-made video lessons and uh, I will teach uh, in person if someone may, wants to make the trip to my studio or I uh, teach on the road as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, but most of my teaching is, like I said, the selling of those or the sale of those lessons. Mm-hmm. Because I do have a lot of really, really fundamental information in some of those videos uh, that I still use to this day.
1: Yeah, and those are good. So if you have, you know, check them out. And what I was thinking is that, (coughs) sorry, Uh, doing more like ao style, is that something that, you have considered because there are so many people that are looking forward to finding, you know, the next level of drumming. A lot of people get the basics and they need somewhere to go and to find their tone and their uh, uh, their personality in music. So, could that be something that you will do further on?
0: Well, if if Drumio or Drumeo, I don't know how it's pronounced, but if they want me to make an appearance, then. Then I'll do it. I just need to be <laughs> asked.
1: <laughs> yeah, but there are but, th- there are thousands of those uh, different kinds of uh, educational YouTube channels as well. So if anybody's interested, then of course they can reach out to you.
0: Sure. But uh, uh, I, as far as uh, um, clinics, uh, that's that's an interest of mine. It's something I think I'm gonna start trying to really pursue once I get all my solo material out.
1: Yeah, and that's I see a lot of um, drummers do that when they go on tour. That when there's a day off or they have you know some time to kill, that they they just go online and they say, "Okay, anybody want to hit me up, do a, a couple of sessions? I'm here. Just come to the place." And you know that that's an interest. Uh, I think that will spark a lot of interest if you would do that too.
0: Yeah, sure. Usually we don't have many days off though which which i like, I would rather not have a day off.
1: <laughs> no, of course not. You, you want to work and you want to get your money so you can pay your bills and so on like everybody
0: else. <laughs> yeah, yep.
1: How was how the thing, because you, you played for Car, Carl King's uh, album as well. I don't remember the name of that. Universal Galactic something.
0: Uh, yeah, Grand Arch- Architects of the Universe.
1: Yeah, exactly. You, you played on that album, and there's some great music there and some great playing. How was that um, thing? Are you friends with Carl, or was that something that he he find found you and wanted you to do something for him?
0: Yeah, I've been a fan of Carl's since early or not early, uh, mid two thousands when he put out the How to Sell record. Yeah, and uh, it was a. A joyous listening experience, <laughs> and i uh have been following him uh ever since and I did a uh, a cover video of a Steve Vai song and that uh drew his interest and I guess sort of you know uh, kept my name rattling around in the back of his head, and so when he was uh trying to figure out a game plan for Architects and you know someone to do the main drum tracks uh he landed on me so
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah ever since then we've uh, kept in pretty frequent contact and uh definitely going to work more together in the future
1: yeah i hope so because you're both very interesting and you have fun ideas and and you write music in a in a fun but elaborate way so that you f- I can always find some, you know, creative ideas and holes to fill when I listen to the songs. Ideas spark up and so on. So I think it's great that you both are doing this kind of, I don't know if it's, you know, prog or experimental or what it's called. It's just music, but it's fun music. So thank you for doing those kinds of uh, LPs and songs and so on. Are are you thinking of um expanding from the digital forum to to making CDs or vinyls or any of those? Is that something that you've been thinking about?
0: Uh well I I pressed CDs for Silly String 2 and I actually I just I got vinyl pressed this year for uh, Finite 2, which will be out and I should have the vinyls in a couple couple of weeks. Yeah uh fallen response I don't know uh we'll see if I can afford to do vinyl cuz that's very expensive and uh I'm definitely going to do CDs for uh delectable machinery okay because
1: that's still something that is doable in, in the states or where where is your main audience is it in the states or is it around the world and where do you sell the most
0: I think it's pretty evenly split at this point at least mm mm-hmm. Um, I actually sold, uh, this, I called it an ultimate collector's package, <laughs> which had some, uh, <laughs> had some original artwork in it. I actually sold it to a gentleman in Denmark. So, uh-huh. um, you know, I, I think it's pretty evenly split at this point. Hmm. Are you just... Do you
1: think that CDs is still something that is interesting for people to buy? Let's say that there's a band and they're thinking about doing a release, whatever music style they're playing, but they put their thing on Bandcamp and they put their thing on Spotify. But do you think that it's something that people should venture into more? CDs and vinyls and so on?
0: I mean, if they can afford it. Yeah. (laughs) I think... I think with this, this music is kind of niche driven. And, uh, I think that the people that consume it generally, they tend to be of the mindset that they do appreciate, you know, the physical format and the art and the whole package and not just, not just the digital files. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do something physically, um, with every release from now on, if I can afford it, but yeah. I'm, I'm gonna try.
1: <laughs> I think that's great too, because the the things or the bands that I want to promote or, or that I like a lot, I buy their physical things if there are any. But there's so many bands that I don't have the budget that they don't get funding. They may be doing two or three jobs just to keep they're playing afloat and so on. So it's, you know, it's hard to do that. How do you do all your ventures? Do you you have, is music your only gig or do you have different gigs or do you do three, four jobs? (laughs) How's that?
0: No, I also have a side job when I'm not uh, on the road. Yeah. Yep. So most, most of your,
1: Income is playing music and being a professional musician
0: i'd say it's it's uh, an even split mm-hmm. sometimes the mu- sometimes the music stuff does a little better or you know if we go on tour and it's a lucrative tour it'll it'll be better mm. but uh, it it varies so I guess the average i'm just speaking in an average format like it's probably like an even amount on both sides. Mm.
1: that seems to be a a discussion that a lot of musicians don't really talk about a lot if they have like i i have a a job that's you know it's eight to five o'clock every day well not sundays and saturdays but you know it's a it's a regular job and then i have music as my you know whatever extra job or, or 10 jobs that i can have because i love music but i still need to get the, um, the money for, you know, whatever, rent and kids and, and food and so on. But it seems that a lot of musicians do that, but they don't really talk about it. And I don't see there being anything bad to to, to have nine jobs to, to create income. Because, I mean, you're, you do music first and foremost because you love it. And then the second is that if you can make money... Of making music and turn that into a career that's brilliant
0: yeah yeah i don 't know why it's uh i don 't know view it as a like a stigma or whatever um, because uh, i don 't know i I have always uh, been forthcoming about that if if people ask and uh, if I could derive all my income solely from music i mean i'd be even busier than I am I'd be creating even more
1: (laughs) that's true all right let's talk about the the releases that you have right now and where people can find them because we're coming up to the one hour mark so I don't want to take up all your time let's talk about the the, um, the music that you have out right now and that's coming out and where people can find it
0: okay well I have five EPs out Right now, uh, Projects, Projects 2, Silly String, and Finite. And then I have one full-length album, Silly String 2. You can get all of that digitally on travisorban.bandcamp.com. Uh, it's also on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. And uh, it, you, can all, you can stream it all on Spotify. And then I have uh, physical stuff. Uh, which you can buy from Tra- uh, Travis Orban 2.bigcartel.com. That's Travis Orban, then numeral 2.bigcartel.com. And that shop has uh, a Silly String 2 CDs. And uh, right now you can get the Finite 2 vinyl and the various packages that I've put together. And speaking of that, Finite 2 will be out on September 9th. Uh-huh. And, uh, same thing you can get it digitally at uh, bandcamp or uh, itunes and you'll be able to stream it and all that as well
1: great great and i i have one last thing that i want to to get out there that i try to do on all my interviews is to if you can name three things that you would like somebody else to know doing what you do, or three things that you wish that you'd known early on it, that will help you along the way.
0: What was the first one? Three things that I would like someone to know?
1: Yeah, exactly. If you were teaching somebody something, then what are those three things that you like to teach someone?
0: Hmm. Three things. It could be a mishmash of both of those approaches, mm-hmm. like i I' had wish I had known or had someone stress the importance of uh the click to me earlier on. so that's one. Um, I wish I had been more proactive and started pursuing solo endeavors, you know, merchandise, writing my own music, et etc. I wish I'd started that a little earlier, mm-hmm. uh, so that's two. Let's see. And then, um, I don't know, done is the engine of more.
1: Correct. When you're done, you just do more. That's yes. Yeah. Right. That's good. That's great. Thank you for taking this time. And I'm really looking forward to hearing another release and the new ones that you're working on. And you know, let's keep up on the internet, and I'll just I'll send you little link when the pod is out. I'm not sure what it's going to be called right now because I have ten thousand different ideas, and my graphic designer has you know made me a couple of sketches that I'm getting very confused about naming. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
0: okay,
1: it's, it's going to be it's going to be something with creative. It's not going to be just focusing on music. It's going to be on creativity because I'm gonna get some art designers and uh, some composers and uh, graphic designers and some actors and so on to, cool. to get on board. So it's gonna be all, all sorts. And hopefully we can talk maybe uh, in a year or so and see where you're at then and what happened. I'm gonna sure. put some links on the page, Can I use some of your music from uh, Bandcamp to put as, you know, small nibs in in between?
0: Yeah, no problem.
1: Just so we get all those uh, Skype uh, eruptions away from the audio. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) All right. Thank you, man, and have a great day.
0: Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Good luck with the podcast. See ya.